0: And tell your neighbor, you like their hairdo this morning. Little jail works wonders. Hey, I'm thrilled to see you today. Starting a new series called Supernatural. And it is about experiencing the power and presence of God in everyday life. Now that's that's something I want us to pause on and think about. Because you and I are raised in a world where naturalism that we'll talk about, a world of, of, of secular thought, has told us there is no God. Uh, there's nothing outside of what we can see and analyze. And, uh, but the Bible teaches very clear, and human experience backs up, that there is a supernatural God, and He wants to be involved in our everyday life. So this is where we're headed, but I want to share a little, funny little uh, story here about kids. Uh, I love uh, children, young children. My wife tells me I can't have any more. So I love other people's kids, but um, there's a little baby, actually Hannah and Ryan's baby, born on my birthday, and uh, just this week, and Hannah said, this is the face Fletcher made when I told him you share a birthday with Pastor John. Now, my wife told me that baby had gas, and I said, no, honey, that child knew we have bonded. I don't have a picture for the next one, but I do have a problem maybe you can help me with. My grandson, 18 months, is a biter in preschool. I know. It's my wife's heritage that she brought <laughs> the baby. That... Anyway, they sent a note home with him on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday and said uh, uh, he and another little boy were fighting over a toy, and little Henry bit himself. <laughs> he didn't bite the other boy, he bit himself. So I don't know if the child just missed or needs self-defense techniques or what, but I'm going to see him soon and kind of help him out a little bit. So if you've got any ideas, I'd appreciate it. Let's explore it together. This idea of supernatural, I guarantee you we're all at different places on this subject. Many of us have come from backgrounds where we have been taught, not just in secular uh, science class, but in church, that the supernatural is not for today. And I want you to think with me as we read the Bible. I'm just a guy, I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm a guy that believes the Bible properly interpreted uh, is applicable, relevant for today. I believe it's God's word today. And I've chosen two scriptures as a text, New Testament scriptures, that both suggest this opportunity... For a supernatural experience with God. Not mystical, weird, or spooky. Not uh, crossing your legs and, you know, making little signs on your fingers and and chanting. Uh, I'm talking about the reality of the God of the Bible being near and involved in our life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it's a doxology in the midst of the book. But he said, now to him, Paul is talking about and to God. To him who is able to do far more abundantly and all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to Him be glory. First of all I want you to see God is able to do works that are beyond our comprehension, beyond our imagination, beyond the lines of reason, of experience that have been drawn. God is able and this scripture suggests the willingness and it is based on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Um, James chapter 4 verse 8, the first verse was about God's power in our life. The second is about His presence. James 4 8, and we practice this. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. It's a stretch to think that if God were coming nearer to me, I wouldn't even know it. If we, uh, this is what we did in worship, those few minutes that we just lingered and said, Lord, I love you. I want to submit my life to you. I want to be nearer to you. And the presence of the Lord becomes more real in our life. Well, this is what we're going to explore in this series. It is not a formula. It is not a traditional Pentecostal message uh, about the book of Acts, though we'll spend a lot of time in Acts. I want to look more broadly at you. We're going to look not just at a, a formula. I don't have a formula. But I do have that I will teach you transferable principles. We will look specifically through the pages of the Bible that when miraculous acts happen, when people were especially close to God, what were they doing? Did they do something to foster it? Did they do something to open the door to make a supernatural event more more possible and plausible? Uh, I want to begin with a video, a modern-day video. It's produced by CBN. It's very well-researched. And it's about uh, a Muslims that have been coming to Christ because they have had unsolicited dreams in the night about Jesus. Take a peek at this. Hazim Faraz hosts a satellite TV program for Muslims called Reflections. He says he hears from Muslims all the time who tell him they had a dream or vision of Jesus Christ that forever changed their lives. Ali also met Jesus in a dream while on his way to Mecca for the Muslim pilgrimage called the Hajj. Of course, when I went to Mecca, I was going there in order to pay homage to the Kaaba and to fulfill the requirements in Islam. But that night, I saw Jesus in a dream. First, Jesus touched my forehead with his finger. And after touching me, he said, you belong to me. And then he touched me above my heart. You have been saved, follow me. You belong to me, he said. So I decided, Okay, I'm not going to finish the Hajj, the pilgrimage. Whatever it takes, I'm going to follow that voice. This woman comes from a Central Asian country. Her identity is hidden for security reasons. In the church, if you ask how many people people came to Christ, 80% will say they saw him in a dream. A Christian friend challenged this woman to ask God to speak to her personally. So I decided to ask him and so I did and then um, the next day I guess I saw a dream and I saw in my dream I saw Jesus was a bridge. I decided to come to him. Doyle says the dream or vision is usually the start, not the end of a Muslim's conversion. You know, nobody goes to sleep, Chris, a a Muslim and wakes up a Christian, but it knocks down the false barriers that are inherent in Islam, and no government, no leader can block intercession around the world. That's one thing that can get into any country, so we need to pray as believers that God would continue to just push the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Chris How about that? Does that surprise you? Or, if you believe the Bible, and you see this throughout the pages of Scripture, it should just be a validation of what the Bible teaches that should inspire my faith and should help me pursue not just what I can see and figure out, but this supernatural dimension of God. I I, I believe I had a supernatural dream last night. Last night after service, we had a great service, but I began battling uh, anxiety afterwards. And it just, it wouldn't go away, it wouldn't stop. And when I went to bed, I didn't know if I was dying. If you've ever been there, you can relate, but it's horrible. And uh, I went to bed, and I had a dream. And in my dream, when I woke up, there was a snake that had fallen out of the ceiling, and the snake was slithering away. And in the dream, I had a sword in my hand. I picked up the sword, and I cut off his head. Now, Now, you don't have to have a master's in dreamology, To see the symbolism in the Bible between serpents and snakes. And it was a spiritual attack. And it helped me deal with the tumultuous feelings in my heart and soul to bring a spiritual reality to bear to help me this morning. So I I believe this. I believe there's weirdness out there. I've seen a lot and probably done a little bit. Tell your neighbor, said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. But just because somebody else has been weird doesn't mean that it's wrong. So I want to explore this with you a little bit, and this morning I want to, in some broad brush strokes, look at two things. First I want to look at God as a supernatural God, and then I want to look at uh, half a dozen just simple uh, uh, everyday expressions where supernatural events are taking place and we may not even be aware of it. Uh, Let's begin uh, with first God's nature is supernatural, and I want to present God as both creator and sustainer of life. God is creator and sustainer. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, you know it very well. Five words lose me. In the beginning, God created. When time time began, there was was something in existence, an infinity, before time started and God was already there. God was pre-existent in my mind, can't understand it. And this God created the known universe... Everything in the material universe, every see everything you see, every law, the law of thermodynamics, the law of aerodynamics, and all the laws that, uh, all the the, the potential. Uh, You take my little iPad here, what it's able to do. It takes pictures. It can talk around the world. It can answer the phone. Do you realize this technology was available in the days of Julius Caesar? The potential for this application was there. But it wasn't until a decade or so ago, two decades, that they unlocked the potential. So God has inserted so much into the universe. God created heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, plants, living creatures and the first human being. Uh, God has always existed. Uh, God is all-knowing. He is present everywhere and He is all-powerful, able to do whatever He chooses. This is the biblical picture of the one true God that we worship and serve. Now, where I want to get a bit more practical, He is the sustainer of life. And this is where the everyday supernatural appears. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked, I'll tell you. Colossians 1.16, it's by Jesus. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things. All is all. We're created through him and for him. See, the object of all this is not just happiness for me. The object of even supernatural experiences, manifestations, is not just for me. It's not just for church service. It's to glorify Christ and build his kingdom. But notice verse 17. Jesus is before all things. He's eternal. And in him, all things All things hold together. He holds all creation together. Jesus is the force behind the atom. Jesus is the reason gravity works. We are spinning. Our little planet is spinning on its axis hundreds of miles an hour. If it drifts too far from the sun, we freeze. If it drifts too close, we burn up. But it is spinning so fast, and I'm not even aware of it, Yet a force that I have zero control of called gravity is held in place through our God. God is supernatural. Uh, Let me show you a couple pictures here. God is the creator. Look at this little fawn. When God early in Genesis created the first deer, he placed within the male and female deer the ability to give birth to a fawn and that deer unlike the next picture the eagle the, ear, the, the 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 eagle lays an egg for her young the deer has a fawn but god is behind the processes of both and one of the saddest things in modern day science with our incredible ability to re- do research to explore to 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 uh, Lynn, Lynn and i last night watched the most incredible little just video it was about a light that appears when a sperm and egg come together. And because of zinc and calcium, when the sperm and egg first come together, a bright light is emitted. And the argument, of course, is when life begins. God created these things. And, and this is what don't you see. That, it, when you see that little deer on the side of the road, and hope it doesn't hit your car, that baby fawn is supernatural. This little baby. You could spend the rest of your life studying the human body and anatomy and physiology and research and never explore what's available just today in the medical field. So when you see a little baby, because science has explained it, it's taken the wonder away and we no longer see it as supernatural. But what I want you to see today is open your understanding to even see the creative hand of God. Keep going here. A seed when it comes from the ground. uh, How about this next seed that's here? You see, they come up, they have little yellow flowers, and then these little fuzzies, you blow them at people. Yesterday in my garden, I planted some more okra, I planted uh, some beets for my wife, and I planted some uh, radishes and carrots, and I dropped if I'd have dropped them, they'd have fallen to the earth. But if you drop that seed and the wind is blowing, it carries away. Now, why does one seed fly and one seed fall to the ground, but both seeds grow, and both seeds having the potential to replicate? That seed will not make a rose bush. It will not make a pansy. It makes the exact... Why is that? Well, scientists have understood DNA. But why DNA? Because God. And when you see these things, it should create in us a sense of wonder. This is the supernatural. Now, supernatural, it simply means an existence beyond the visible, observable universe. Whereas natural, or more importantly for us, naturalism, believe that events are determined by nature apart from any act of God. Now we're taught this from the early beginnings in science class. You don't learn in most traditional science classes in our public education. You don't learn about God. Naturalism believes that uh, 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 reason, human reason alone... Rather than revelation, remains supreme. And scientific laws are adequate to account for all phenomena. Secular thinking has affected all of us, and particularly in regards to the supernatural. People used to be, in the Middle Ages in particular, uh, faith was supreme, and they were ignorant, they were not educated. But somewhere along the line, reason and science replaced faith, and it didn't just come alongside of it. It's tried to replace it with the secular mind. So for the secular thought, the beginning premise is, there is no God. All that we know and all that we see started by a big bang. Uh, it's random. If you, take, if you take enough time and chance, uh, you, can, you can produce anything. I want to show you a couple of quotes that are insightful. If you know that heard this man, Stephen Hawking, one of the most brilliant scientists of our day, But his starting place was, at least in his education life, I don't know what happened before he died, but in his educational experience, it began with this. I believe the simplest explanation is there is no God. No one created the universe. No one directs our fate. Why does he say that? Because he has done study at an intricate level, and he has put together a a, a matrix of knowledge that makes sense without God. But unfortunately, he could never go back and duplicate or replicate the beginning of creation. And at some point, it's best guess, and it's faith. Look at the next one. Here's one another man that's affected us greatly, John Dewey. If, you've, if, you, if you have frustrations with the modern education system, public education in particular, because it has no spiritual emphasis, we don't teach people about God, something's happened. Because in America's founding... What they taught kids, they, what they taught them to read was with the New England Primer. Look it up, Google it. The New England Primer, and they taught the ABCs with Bible verses. But somewhere along the line, someone said, we don't need God. They called themselves progressive. Well, this is what this particular progressive that had huge influence in our education system today. There is no God and there is no soul. There's no need for the props of traditional religion. With dogma and creed excluded, immutable truth is dead and buried. In other words, no Bible. There's no room for fixed and natural law or permanent moral absolutes. I'll give you one more that I find intriguing. Abraham Lincoln. This will surprise you. Old Abe said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down on the earth with all its problems and confusion and be an atheist. But I cannot conceive how a man could look up into the heavens and say there's no God. That's pretty powerful. So the next time you look at the flower or the deer or whatever the case is, thank God for his supernatural hand that's at work in the world. Give him a big hand today. Now, I've got to go quick, and you've got to listen fast because I'm going to talk about, I'm going to paint some broad brush strokes about the supernatural in everyday life. And first of all, I think this is one of the most pivotal points in understanding this. Supernatural does not have to mean dramatic. But it can. Dramatic, for example, Moses parting the Red Sea. Jesus feeding thousands out of a boy's lunch. Peter healing a crippled man that had never walked. Jonah surviving three days in the belly of a fish. Certainly these things, I believe, could happen today because God is still God. But there's everyday, non-dramatic, supernatural manifestations of God when a prayer is answered. God's guidance, when God communicates to us, divine intervention that we may not even be aware is happening, healing, the new birth. We'll talk about these, and I want you to see them as in sometimes dramatic, but oftentimes not, but still supernatural. Let's talk about the experience of prayer, and answered prayer in particular is a supernatural act. Jeremiah 33:3, it says, Call to me and... I will answer you. And I'll tell you great and hidden things you've not known. In other words, prayer is like a, an electric uh, a plug that taps into something. And there's a release of electricity through the plug. Prayer links us to the supernatural God. Prayer has the potential to supernaturally change things. Uh, just the other day. I, my dad and my brother still farm and it's been real wet and i carry their burden and and this it, it, is this week in, in my little rain gauge it rained three inches and uh i i started praying i said lord would you please when those clouds pass over their area would you let those clouds part true story i looked on weather.com there in the afternoon and i saw a huge a huge red and yellow to the left of them and a huge yellow and red and clear in the middle now i'm not saying my prayer did that but I'm saying it's possible. I'm saying it's possible. When I was a boy, my nanny, her name was Mary. Mary was uh, uh, her, her husband worked in the dairy on the farm that I was raised in, and Mary, Mary was kind of a nanny. And when I joined the Navy and became a Christian and decided I was going into ministry, I went to see Mary, she had diabetes and she had both her legs cut off above her knees. And uh, she's sitting on the couch, and I went and loved on her, and I told her, I said, uh, I said Mary, uh, uh, I'm going to go and in, in ministry. I'm going to be a preacher. She literally almost jumped off that couch and started running around the room. And she said, oh, honey, she said, oh, my baby, I've been praying for you since you were born. I knew God had his hand on your life. I knew God was going to do something for you. Now, did Mary's prayer have something to do yes. with my life? Yes. Yes. He said, you, you, you can't prove it to me. Well, you can't prove it didn't. I mean, I mean, a lot of people say, "Well, you just prove God." Well, how about this? You prove He isn't, because a lot of people have become Christians trying to prove that He's not. Uh, prayer. Let's talk about another supernatural potential: God's guidance. Uh, Proverbs 3, this is my lifetime scripture. Is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, bring Him in, and He's going to do what? Your path. What is that? Supernatural guidance. And you may not even be aware of it. But I practice this scripture. When I got off the airplane in the Navy in Adak, Alaska, I said, Lord, I don't know anybody, would you show me to the right people and would you lead me to the Christians? and he did. I got off in Okinawa, Japan, and the same thing happened. I got off in, in, in San Jose, California, and I was led to the church, and that's where I met my wife. A supernatural hand, but sometimes, sometimes it's explained away. Sometimes it's chance. It's sometimes you don't know for the skeptic. This is something that was quite profound. Several years ago, we lived in Wake Village, and, and for a while, we, we said, you know, I'd kind of like to live out in the country more, and uh, I was raised in the country, and, and, and we just, you know how you waffle sometimes, can't make a decision? So we went out on a Saturday night, and we said, okay, if we had to decide today, what will we decide? And I said, I think I want to live out in the country, want to, you know, have a pond, and I want to, you know, have a garden, and, and those kind of things. The next morning, I come to church, and one of my elders is in my office, and completely out of the blue. Now, no Facebook postings, okay? Facebook weren't around back then. I wish I'd have knew about Facebook back then. I could have been a gazillionaire. But he comes up to me in prayer and said, The Lord gave me, I don't know, he said, a vision or a dream about you last night. He said, I saw you by water. He said, I think you're going to be moving. Oh, wow. Can anybody say confirmation? Yeah. There's only people that knew were my wife and I. Let's talk about this guidance from the Bible a moment, very specific and deliberate, subjective but real. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul now is on his missionary journeys. He goes through the region of Phygeria and Galatia. And notice this interesting phrase. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. In other words, he's ready to go preach somewhere, but the Holy Spirit says, don't go there. Verse 7, when they'd come to the region of Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Still talking about the Holy Spirit. Now they're passing through Mycenae, they go down to Troas. Interesting. A vision appeared in the night. And he was able to identify in this vision a man of Macedonia standing there urging him, saying, come help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, we sought to go to Macedonia. Notice what it says, concluding that God had, say it again, called us. That God had given us divine guidance to preach the gospel. And oh, by the way, now historians, missiologists are able to tell us that's why the gospel message went primarily to Europe and then America instead of going east to India. God's guidance. Let's look at another one. God's communication with dreams, visions, and prophecy are supernatural acts. My wife reminded me of a story Um uh, number of years ago when my grandparents were still alive, uh, they were in their mid-80s, and we recorded their journey. My grandparents lived in the Baltic state of Latvia, and when the Russian Empire was becoming, you know, they were the Russian satellites, and they were taking over countries. And I want you to listen just a second if you're thinking socialism is a good thing, because socialism and communism are not that far apart. Communism is just a more matured form of socialism. But my grandfather there, Russia came in. First thing the Russians did was they took their guns away. The next thing they did in the middle of the night, the Russian soldiers came in their house and they took all the leading citizens. My grandfather was the postmaster. They take him and they, with barbed wire, wrap his hands with other leaders, put him on a train for Siberia. Now, that'll catch you. My grandfather's a Lutheran. I never perceived him as a great, great spiritual man. But as we're recording his story, he said in the middle of the night there, he said, Jesus appeared to me and said, fear not. And I thought, Jesus appeared to me and said, fear not. The next morning, the plans change. Rather than Siberia, they give them shovels, shovels. They're going to dig their graves. But at that exact moment, the German front, the Russians shifted. They let him go. He goes back to his town, and he gets my family, and they come to America. You're getting ready to die in the middle of the night, and the Lord says, fear not. Didn't that same thing happen to Paul two or three times when he's going to Rome? God's communication. Let me read to you Acts chapter 2 verse 17 because it doesn't matter what I say of personal opinion or testimony. It matters if the experience is rooted in the Bible and then testimonies give credence. In the last days, and how many would say we're certainly in the last days? Yeah, if they were then, we are now. God declares, I will pour out my spirit, presumably, all flesh... And your sons and daughters, he's looking prophetically through the ages, shall prophesy, your young men like me see visions, and old men like some of you folks out there dream <laughs> dreams. Ain't this amazing? Peter explains Pentecost with a picture of the future about dreams, visions, and prophecy. When God communicates, he reveals things. This word revelation means to disclose what was before unknown, God either reveals truth by himself or through people, prophets, the gift of prophecy. Uh, just a couple, oh, this was several years ago now, when I was battling, my, my, I just started having panic attacks after my wife's cancer bout was over. She got better, and then I tanked, and it just all came crumbling. And it was horrible, horrible. And uh, I, just, I had to take three months off church. I, 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 just, I just couldn't function. And I'm in the bed one day. I've got four doctors trying to help me. I've done everything I know to do. I've read and read everything. If you'd have told me that, I'll be a little crass, but if you'd have told me drinking goat pee would have helped me, I would have drank a gallon a day. I was desperate. I'm laying in the bed, and I get up one morning, and I heard a voice. Now, I say I heard a voice. I heard a voice. But it was as real as you sitting here. And it said, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren which is a quote, what Jesus said to Peter, but to me it spoke loud and clear, I'm coming out of this bed. And I'm going back to the pulpit one day, and I'm going to help people with what I've gone through. What was that? That was communication from heaven. Let me give you another one. Divine intervention is a supernatural act. Let's, let's read it, but sometimes we don't recognize it. I want to give you an ex, a, a, two dr, uh, examples, one dramatic and one non Uh, A dramatic one from the Bible, Acts 16, it's midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, they're in prison. Like I told you, I'm not going to give you a formula. I'm against the formula. If you do A, B, C, you're going to get D. But I do want to see in the Bible things that other people were doing in the Bible when miracles happened. Well, in this case, they're in big, big, big trouble, but they're praying and worshiping God. Now, we may explore that further next week. Next week, I'm going to talk about getting out of a tough spot. Um... But they're praying and singing hymns. In verse 26, suddenly there's a massive earthquake. The prison is shaken to its foundation. The doors immediately fly open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, that's pretty dramatic. If you know know anything about a third world prison, when there's a massive earthquake, uh, it, it all falls down and kills people. But rather than killing people, these people got away. Now, that was divine intervention. But let me give you another divine intervention. My daughter, Rebecca, she's 19 in UCA, may make straight A's again. Yeah. That's what she gets from my side of the family, but <laughs> okay, I repent. Uh, anyway, she's a great joy. Um, before she was born, she was our third child. and had had two miscarriages. We're getting older. People are saying maybe you shouldn't have one, but she's pregnant. And how many know, ladies, you're a little tougher on the third one than the first one? Uh, Well, about the time the baby's supposed to be born, Dorothy, I don't know if you remember this, but Linnell reminded me yesterday, she said, a week before the baby's birth, you told her that the Lord showed you somehow a dream or a vision or in some way there was a snake wrapped around the baby, which obviously they started praying. The following Sunday morning, uh, she yells at me, I'm getting ready for church. She said, I think my water broke, but no big deal superwoman no big deal I'll just wait a little while I hadn't started labor but whatever it was the doctor the nurse our friend whatever said you're going there now they get to the hospital and they whatever drug Pitocin or whatever it is they give them and she starts into labor and 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 uh, the baby goes into distress because the cord is wrapped around her neck and if she'd have labored at home Rebecca would have been born dead or would have been born with the brain damage Luck or divine intervention. Other examples, too, that, that it could be non dramatic. How God used me to get in the Navy. There was no angels. I didn't see a, a, a neon sign that said, Yay, yay, my will for thou is that thou would go into the navy. I just was drinking beer and doing other things with my buddy. And he said, I think I'm going to join the Navy. And I said, I will too. <laughs> and somebody asked me, what do you want to do while you're in the Navy? I said, read the Bible through. And five days after I get in, a Gideon gives me a new testament on my way out. I invite Christ in my life. And I'm on a journey. Boy, You sure were lucky the way your life turned out, because I'm still getting high. I mean, I just... Was it luck? Or was it divine intervention based on election and sovereign choice that I had zero to do with? All I did was say yes a couple times. Supernatural. Let's talk about physical healing. Acts 28, verse 8. Paul finds a man, I think it's the Isle of Malta, but his dad's sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, he placed his hands on him, the doctrine of the laying on of hands, and he healed him. Now, here's a question. Is that possible today? I've had a couple, couple of testimonies of today. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, my, I'm having a little mental moment here, but her husband over there told me, wave at me here, Jason's mom, yeah. Her, yeah, you. Anyway, she's blowing her nose, sorry. Her husband told me one of our church leaders was walking around and just as a sign of affection, just touched his arm. He said, I had excruciating pain in my elbow. And when that person touched me, the pain immediately left me and didn't come back. Amen. True? True story? She's done with her nose now. Today, uh, after service, uh, uh, TJ's wife, Marcia. She's a little, little gal, a teacher from uh, Texas High. And she was working in the, in the uh, uh, connect room. And she said, you're not going to believe this. Uh, Don't we always say that? She said, I went, someone that didn't come to our life group le- a couple Wednesdays ago. She said, I saw her and she had, a, she had a, a sling on her arm. And she'd been to the doctor and she'd broken her arm. And she said, well, I felt dutiful that I was going to pray that the doctor would do a good job or whatever I prayed. But she said, I prayed for her. And the woman told me she said she felt uh, something heat, hot, and warm go through her arm. She goes to the doctor the next day to get the cast, and the doctor says, Your arm is fine. Now, well, that was sure a big misdiagnosis. Maybe. Maybe not. Because if you shut every door through logic and reason... You don't give God any way to come in because most of the time, you'll see faith is vitally important. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. The new birth. Becoming a Christian is a supernatural act. John 3:3, Jesus said, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a person is born again or born from In other words, God touching the life of a human being. Acts 11 says, God granting repentance that leads to life. That we hear the word, and the word of God sparks something in us. And we believe, and we turn our lives to Christ. Is that just rational and reasonable? Have we just looked at all the world religions and said, Christianity makes the most sense? Or is it because God supernaturally reveals himself, and we say yes to Christ? Well, the latter is what the Bible teaches, and it's supernatural. Now in this, uh, what I've tried to do today is I've tried to kind of knock out the legs a little bit from supernatural having to be dramatic. It can be Moses opening the Red Sea. And I believe it's possible today. I believe it's possible that gold coins could rain down from the ceiling right now. And we could pay for Gander Mountain. That didn't happen. Not like that, but it could come some other way. Are, are, are you with me? But don't stop taking your coat off and saying, maybe it can. Isn't it sad the first thing we do when we're sick is get a pill or go to the doctor? I'm not against doctors. Listen, and I want to say this about physical healing too. I believe all healing is from God. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because God is the sustainer of life, and the one that created human beings put antibodies in our body to fight infection. Now, the, through the brokenness of Adam's sin, sometimes our body needs some help. And the medicine from a pharmacist, listen now, that pharmacist did, just didn't go dig in the dirt. Somebody did some research and found a technology, just like they found the iPhone technology, come on now, that was there you know, that, 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 that cures for modern diseases have been there all the time. But research just finds out. Well, when research finds out, they don't undo the need for God. They just validate that God placed these things in our midst. Come on now. So whether, you're, whether someone lays their hands on you for healing, whether you go to the doctor, whether you take medicine, can we have the good sense to see it's all supernatural? It may not be dramatic, but God, Jesus, is the great physician. Give him a big, a big hand. I'm going to close with this scripture and and, and this is one that I hope intrigues you and you don't just dismiss. Jesus said his followers would do supernatural works. You say, well, where's that in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. John 14, 12. Jesus himself said, I say to you, all the apostles will do the works that I do. Would you read it with me? I say to you, whoever believes in me well, do, do the works I do. And then this next one is a grab for me. And greater works than these will you do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, what does it mean, going to the Father? Jesus said when he left, he would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, unlike Jesus that was in one place, the Holy Spirit somehow has the potential to be everywhere. What works did Jesus do? Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, and he did everything in his power to try to advance the gospel. But, oh, by the way... There were people that were healed. There were people that were delivered. Miracles began to happen. And Jesus himself said, not the preacher this morning, Jesus said, there's a spiritual power. There's a, an availability for the supernatural because my followers will do what I did. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to believe that that is possibly true. If I'm sick, I'm going to pray first. If the sickness go, doesn't go away, I'll go to the doctor. But if I'm in trouble before I go to the banker, before I pull out my credit card, I'll say, Lord, should I do it, number one? But number two, I'll say, Lord, would you make a way for this? Before I go buy the new card, come on, and I'm for new cars. I'd rather have a new one than an old one. Everybody said, Sure. Sometimes you can't afford the new one. You see, if we will pause and make place for the supernatural hand of God, we just may see it more and more. And maybe it is not just for us, so our problems will be solved. Stay with me now. But maybe it's because so the kingdom will be advanced. Isn't that what Jesus said? That the Holy Spirit would come, Acts 1-8, and you'd receive power to be my witnesses around the world. And that's my prayer today. How about yours? Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I'm super glad you're here. You could have said, I'm glad to be here too, Pastor. But you didn't, that's okay. Well, I'm sure glad you were here today. Lord willing, we'll do it again next week. But could we just pray this before we go? Just bow your head just a minute. You have a a, a moment with God. Because we come from all backgrounds. Some of our backgrounds have really been against what I just told you now. But listen, I, I just read a lot of the Bible today some of us have had experiences we prayed for God to do something and he didn't and we got disappointed and that makes it hard to believe again but I'm gonna pray for myself and I hope you'll pray for yourself that God would help me live out what Jesus said as a follower of Christ I'll do the works he did That. I will begin to see God's hand in everyday life. I will look for the supernatural. I'll be open to dreams and visions and prophecy. I'll be open to divine guidance. I'll pray for it. I will pray for divine intervention. Come Holy Spirit. Just slip your hands to heaven and just say Lord would you come to me? I just want to ask you to do in my life everything you want to do. I'm not just asking at this moment for my comfort, my pleasure, and my happiness. I'm offering myself to you as an instrument in your hand. And I pray, God, that I could make a greater connection with you, a supernatural connection. And together we would advance your kingdom on the earth. In Jesus' name. By the way, one of our messages in this series will be directed towards why didn't it happen? Why wasn't a prayer answered? Why didn't somebody get healed? Why did something bad happen? But I'm going to close this way today. Uh, They're going to close with one last song, and I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forwards. We always have prayer in our service. Normally we do it in the middle, but we had communion today. But if you need prayer for anything, I want to encourage you, don't leave here with the need that you walked in with. Bring it to the place of prayer because you should have a little greater faith today that God could have a miracle moment for you right in this altar. It could be a miracle moment today for you or someone you love or care about. I believe the Lord gave me a word, and I didn't share it earlier, but I want to share it now. And it's for a parent of a wayward child. And I heard the Lord, I believe, say to give you a confidence and a hope because you've been in in despair because rather than getting better, they've been getting worse. And I heard the Lord say that you just need to be patient. You need to keep on praying because your prayer is a lifeline between you and them. And don't let it bother you as much as it did when they seem to be going and defying God because God is hearing your prayers, and your prayers eventually are going to have the desired outcome in their life. I hear the Lord saying, don't give up, Mom. Don't give up, Dad, because that child is coming home. But that came to my mind in prayer. But if you have a child like that, I would come to the altar right now and let somebody pray for me. And I would believe God and I would act on that. I'd put some faith with it. But most importantly, if you're here and you say, Pastor, my greatest need today is just to get right with God. I'd love for God to use me in all that stuff you talked about, but I just need a real relationship with God. See, that's a wonderful time you're at right now. It hit me when I was about 19 when I found that what the world offered still left me empty. It's a God, kind of a God hole in all our life, and we all reach a place where we realize that the things of this world don't work. And most of us that were brought up, not as an atheist, but acknowledging God, we live this way. If the cross represents Jesus, it's not Him, but it's represented. We live our life kind of doing this, doing our own thing, and you know, having fun, working hard, making money. And we get in trouble. We look back and say, "I need some help, please." But when the help comes, we say later, and we keep at it. But to be a Christian is to do this. This is repentance. It's to, Lord, I believe in you, and I'm going to follow you. Maybe you need to start following. And that's why I'm going to ask you to slip out of your chair in just a moment and come to the cross and let somebody pray for you. That, That coming is a walking away from your old life and walking to Jesus Christ. I promise you, we don't want anything from you, by the way. We want to pray for you. We want to give you something, a little book that's going to help you in your spiritual life. If you need to get right with God, you know who you are. Don't miss the opportunity today. Go ahead and begin to sing our last song. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They'll pray with you about anything. It could be your miracle moment. Most importantly, you need to get right with God. We'll see you at the cross. I love you and thanks for coming.